Hi, and welcome to episode 154 of No Crying in Baseball, the looks like we made it episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Happy ending of the season. And you know, it seems sort of appropriate going into Yom Kippur. It's this time of, um, of asking for forgiveness. So I just wanted to make a point actually today, now that starting my fast this evening to ask for forgiveness for all the times I've fucked up on this podcast. So listeners, I've got this like blanket (laughs) request out to everybody. When you get around to it, please forgive me. It'll do me really well for the new year. Get me in all clean and everything. And I promise I'll, you know, won't make another mistake for at least another 10, 15 minutes. And there's nothing better than a nice clean potty mouth. I've got to say (laughs) it's so rare. (laughs) So like we're, we're, we're coming up on the end of the season and you had a very important reminder for the two of us of what we need to make sure we do. As much as possible in the next couple of uh, episodes, we need to repeat the phrase world champion Washington Nationals because we know that that is going to change because the Nationals are not going into the postseason. And I remember doing this last year with the Red Sox when I also knew that they were meeting a similar fate. So world champion Washington Nationals as much as possible until a new reigning champ is crowned. I'm here for that. On today's show, we've got the end of the regular season, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We've got Hunter Pence. Farewell, our friend. It's wild card week and it's going to be wacky. We've got a get out the vote program happening, sort of, with Major League Baseball. In our COVID report, we've got some lasting effects, which we don't like, and we've got some community testing that may or may not actually be happening. We have boyfriends finishing strong at the end of this regular season, and as always, we've got international baseball. Hey, before we go further, I didn't ask you, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Silver Branch Brewery Optimum Shift, and the reason why I chose this beer out of the fridge is it was the highest alcohol content that I could find, and I thought that would do me well before Yom Kippur. (laughs) <laughs> it's good that you're thinking ahead. Yeah. I just I asked you because I wanted to tell you what I'm drinking. I am drinking Black is Beautiful, homebrewed by Mr. Potty Mouth. And it is a stout and it's made from a recipe that was shared among the brewing community as a fundraiser for organizations that are working to um, to increase racial justice and to fight racial injustice. So I need to think of a good place to make a donation as a thank you to Mr. Potty Mouth for providing me with this wonderful, wonderful Black is Beautiful beer. I love it how it's like a win-win thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mr. Potty Mouth gets to be happily brewing. Everybody gets to drink good beer. and delivered it good- to my house. That's pretty good. That's safely pretty good. at a social distance. It's all good. Nice. <laughs> and it's something nice to drink for the end of the baseball season. So our friends, we are recording this an hour and a half before all of the last games of the regular season begin because all of the last games are starting at the exact same time today. So you are going to know a little more than we do. We probably know a lot more than we do in some cases, for sure. But specifically about like what teams are in, because as of right now, they're still a little bit up in the air in the National League. But I thought we should take this chance to kind of talk about our our feelings. We're going to have a moment to discuss our feelings about this crazy shortened COVID season. Potty Mouth, where are you at? I am so mixed. I'm I'm a wishy-washy mess. And I mean, I was such a huge skeptic at the beginning and I'm fine with being proven wrong. You know, I'm, I'm fine with the idea that maybe this was successful. I'm not sure that we have all the information though. I feel like I'm definitely lacking a lot of information to be able to say that. I want to look at total numbers. I know that, you know, a case that we're going to talk about in a little while, um, Eduardo Rodriguez got COVID before the season started. So it's, it's a little bit of sussing out what was the damage due to COVID without baseball and what is the damage due to COVID with baseball. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure where I lie on that. Yeah. I mean, I, you were talking about wanting to start the year clean and fresh and all of that. I kind of feel that way about the season. Like I, I, I feel kind of deeply guilty about watching as much baseball as I did. I kept thinking this shouldn't be happening, but I couldn't look away. I mean, I did need the distraction. It did, it did a good mm-hmm. service for me as far as being a distraction, but there seemed to be so many more injuries that were preventable had we had regular training and regular season. I think that's a bigger piece, honestly, now that you mention that, is the injuries, because there are so many, and some of them have been season-ending injuries. So 
what does that mean for those players in the long run? Somebody, somebody do the research on that one. I would like to see that paper written up. So one little bit of research that was done, which is kind of a fun thing, is the number of call-ups, prospects getting called up to the bigs this year. In a 60-game season, there were 27 call-ups, and that is the exact same number as were called a top 100 prospects that were called up last year in a full season. Wow. The, the average is about 27, 28 every year, and we hit that this year in a shortened season. Well, then read injuries above, right? Like, so why were they called up? Because players were lost, I'm guessing, plus some roster stuff. Yeah, so that was definitely part of it. But also, in prior years, you'd say, well, you know, this prospect needs more experience with, say, AAA pitching, right, before they're ready. Well, there is no AAA this year. So if you want that, that prospect that's so close to get in shape, the only way to do it really is to call them up and have them play in the majors. So it's it's an interesting combination of you're absolutely right. You were calling them cannon fodder before, and mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. These guys are cannon fodder. People are getting sick. People are getting hurt, and they're getting replaced. Some of them, however, are actually getting a chance, so, right. some more successful than others. But that's That's been interesting to watch this year. One thing that's been crazy is like the whacked schedule with all the delays and the the postponed games and a, a whole team having to quarantine for a week in a hotel and not being able to practice and then boom, starting the next day. I didn't like that. I don't think that was good for anybody. Yeah. And and it, and it ended up causing a lot of double headers and just weird, weird things going on. Yep. Yep. And which do, isn't really fair across the board when you're comp- trying to compare apples to apples about how so totally. players did and how teams did. And then... I, Kind of to the point of what COVID-related stuff would have been the same and what would have been different. So Yohan Mankata hit his first home run since uh, middle, middle of August, right? He's better than that, right? He had COVID in July. Wow. He's playing now. And he said, oh, yeah, my energy started coming back in the last two weeks. It's the end of September, Right. This is a month after he was sick. He's saying, oh, my energy just started coming back. Should he have been playing? Why did we make him play? And is something bad going to happen to him for playing? I mean, some guys look fine. Like Freddie Freeman looks fine. He was on death's door and he seems to be playing OK. But yeah, other guys not sure. because, it, it, right, because it affects different people differently. So I think you're absolutely right. We're not going to know immediately. Like, was this a good idea or not? We did try out a bunch of rules, and I want to kind of get your feel for it. I, I know the answer to the first one, the universal DH. I think that was such a great idea. I was very happy to see it. I think that the NL picked up on it real fast. They did well jumping in on the on the DH thing. So I, I think, though, you know, combining that with the injury discussion, maybe that helped just a teeny, teeny bit. Like, we were fucked up enough with injuries. It could have been worse if we had a bunch of pitchers hitting out there. So... Maybe there's a little silver lining in that universal DH. I think as far as preventing injuries for pitchers who didn't have enough time to prepare, I think I would agree with that. I still don't like it because I miss all the strategy around not having a DH and having to, again, pitchers or athletes, I like to see them hit. But also, what do you do when you're in like a a specific situation? I I miss that part, which is weird because I'm going to skip to the three batter minimum for pitchers because I like that. I don't miss the strategy around batter um, pitcher matchups, but I do miss it around the DH. I can't explain that. I can't defend that. But absolutely, I like the three batter minimum. I hate the DH. I don't know. So I feel it's funny. I'm I might be on the other side. The the only reason why I like the three batter minimum is it it does help things go along a little bit faster. And I know the pace of play is a big you know contentious statement, but it does help. Changing pitchers, I think, is the biggest thing that kind of clogs things up with pace of play. But I'm I'm fine with it either way. It's just different strategy. You know, it's just a different way to to think about things and and you're looking for pitchers with different skills. So whatever. So how do you feel about the, the runner on second for extra innings? Well, it's bit, I saw it bite the Red Sox in the butt a couple of weeks ago. So then I was like, ah, this sucks. But I, I, I don't know, you know, it's, I think given this season, 
it made sense. They really couldn't afford to do endless games with everything else they're dealing with and with, you know, trying to fit everything in and the double headers. I think they had to limit it one way or the other. You know, the other way would be to do what CPBL does and just call it after 12, but that would have been a whole new statistical thing with ties. I think it was the best solution for this season. I don't think we'd need to keep it because, you know, in, in normal years, I kind of like that not knowing when the game's going to end. I like it. I got to say, and I think the reason I like it is, you know, I love small ball. And when you put a guy on second, you're going to have the, you know, the, the, the get him on, get him over, get him in way to play baseball. And I think that's more exciting and it's more fun for me. So I enjoyed that. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it cut some games shorter, but I saw a couple of those couple games went 11 or 12 innings, even with a runner on second, which I thought was fascinating because that, that also means your defense and your closer have to be absolutely on. I would be okay if that one continued. Um, I, I would be okay if the three batter minimum continued. I didn't actually ask you that question. Do you want to see that one next year? I don't know. I mean, my gut is kind of like, I just don't feel like fucking around with rules unless there's a really good reason. I mean, I'd (laughs) even be okay with like the NL staying the way that they are without the DH, just because I'm a, I think I'm a traditionalist in a lot of things. If there's not a really like a health oriented or an equity oriented reason or something like that. So, but I don't feel strongly, honestly, about any of these. I'd be okay either way. I'm not going to fight. What about the seven inning double headers? Because that I think it was definitely put there because of health issues and exhaustion issues. Yeah. I think, again, it made sense for this season mm-hmm. because there's no way in hell. Like it totally made sense for this season. For the future, as long as you're not having that many double headers, I'm okay with good old fashioned double headers. Yeah, I'm with you on that. When you have a whole season to work with, there are plenty of days off where you can stick a makeup game in or you have mm-hmm. a longer time where you can have a, a regular double header with time in between to recover and all of that. So I'm good with that. And I guess, you know what, I'm going to boot the expanded playoffs question to later once we're in the expanded playoffs, I think, yeah. to see how that's going. Because I, I have opinions and you probably have opinions, but they're based on feelings and not actual evidence right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to definitely see how it goes. It just feels weird because I'm losing track. You know, I'm thinking, oh, we've got everybody ready for playoffs, but no, I'm doing my math wrong because the numbers have changed. So right now I'm just in confusion, but we'll see what happens if I figure things out. I don't know. One sad thing that happened this week is Hunter Pence officially retired, which makes sense because he was DFA'd um, in August, right? By the Giants. It's just sad because he was such a classic giant being there for two of the world series having played there for seven and a half years something like that out of his 14 years playing and it just kind of feels like a sad way to go out you know to be dfa'd and then to realize well this is really it and to retire and i didn't even realize that he wasn't with the giants last year he was with texas that's right and And they brought him back this year Yep. Yeah. And and he really didn't do well. And who knows what, you know, what went into that? Is it the short season or the, you know, the the squish training or whatever? But he was batting 096 in 52 at bats. That's that's rough. So understandably on the DFA, it just kind of makes me sad because I think he could have been a great baseball boyfriend had we been on top of things a little bit earlier. And he he left with a sad tweet saying, nothing can really prepare you for this part of your career when you have to say, I'm retiring from baseball, forever thankful and grateful. That's going to be a hard moment. So heart goes out to Hunter. I will say this. I saw commercials on MLB TV with Hunter and his wife as owners of a coffee shop. And he looked super happy. So I think He's landing on his feet. I mean, I'm sad too because you don't, I mean, it was such a part of his identity and to kind of transition into not that anymore. But he's got other things going on, including what looks like a pretty happy home life and, you know, side gig. And so I'm hoping that that helps make the landing a lot softer. Yeah. He's still in the Bay Area. Is he going to, like, a coffee shop in the Bay Area has got to be. The commercial didn't tell me that. I did no research. I just, you know, sat in my seat rather than getting another beer because I had a fresh beer when the commercial came on. Well, that's like um, Kevin Euclid from the Red Sox has a brewery. In that's California. right. He does. So See? that's, I mean, you know, second, if it, once you're retired, yeah, you could do something cool. 
Let's go from beer to cake. So um, Tatis <laughs> Jr. has that great quote about there being a big cake. That's what he's calling the World Series right now. It's a big cake out there. So we're starting the playoffs, and there's general talk about is this legitimate? Is being a champion or making the playoffs or whatever this year legitimate? My feeling is, I mean, it's it would be hard to compare it to full seasons, but if you're basing it on we all competed together and these are the teams and the people that prevailed in this same situation. I'm okay with it. Granted, some teams had other things happen like the Cardinals and, you know, the Marlins, which which are a miracle right now going from this horrible beginning to making the playoffs strong, not even like squeaking in, but making them strong. Um, But I, I still feel it's a little bit, as long as you're keeping the apples together, you know, we're comparing this season to each other in this season. I'm feeling okay with it. I, I still feel weird. Yeah, I still feel weird. Because what what makes the season? Like, why is the 160, what is it? 162 two. or two? Mm-hmm. Why is that magic, right? So it's just, it's a different thing. It's just a different thing that we're used to. And who knows what would have happened if we had 162 games this year with the people who we da- had. But, you know, who knows what would have happened if people had been healthy and we hadn't had so many prospects coming up. There's just, there's a lot of like, who the fuck knows? I think we just have to enjoy what we have. Like live for the day, carpe diem. Carpe diem for sure. And, you know, if you've got a team like the, you know, the world champion Washington Nationals, see how I slipped that in there, mm. who had to go from like, you know, 19 and 31 last year, they went to 19 and 31 right. this year too, but there was no time to make up the difference. So the short season did not do them well. Neither did Strasburg being out for the season and a, a bunch of other people being injured and out. But yeah, but there's, yeah, there's time to rest up, I think. Let me explain this wild card week again. I was thinking about how I explained it last week, and I think I was more confusing than helpful. (laughs) So they're calling it the wild card round, even though only two teams out of the eight in each league are the wild card teams, but really everybody plays. That's what the seeding is about. The first seed plays a wild card and the second seed plays a wild card and the third plays the sixth and the fourth and the fifth play each other. Um, this is easier to say if you've done like youth tournaments for travel ball because you're, you're kind of used to that whole um, like seeding and how that works. But everybody plays, right? This week, this best of three week is going to get the eight teams on each league down to four teams. So then you can go to next week to the division series and the week after that to the to the conference series and then the World Series. So this is everybody playing. This is not just pick the one extra team that's going to go in with the first place teams for for each of the each of the divisions. I'm good with that. More baseball. Like if the bottom line is more baseball, sounds good to me. The thing that I hate about all this is those those first games. So the um the first day there are four games being played. That's Tuesday. That's the day of the first presidential debate. Oh, wow. There are probably like 60% of the people in the world are not going to have a problem choosing one way or the other. But then there's some other folks. And I, I am in that category. It's like, well, hell. <laughs> so I think a couple of those games will be on before the nine o'clock Eastern start time for the debate. So I'll see what I can do. There might be a lot of flipping back and forth at the, uh, or a multi-screen, you know, situation, which has happened before. Yeah. I'm thinking multi-screen, have the baseball game on with the volume off and then, yeah, go back and forth though. Like when I can't stand it, maybe every time a certain member of the debate speaks, I'll turn up the baseball volume. I think that (laughs) that that could be fair because you'll hear later what, what they said. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so let's. I think we should each week until the World Series make a quick prediction based on the available information on who we think is going to be in the World Series and who we wish would be in the World Series. I'll go first to give you one more moment to think about it. Yikes. I okay. predict, I predict, this is not what I want to have happen, but based on numbers and gut, I feel like the Dodgers and the Rays are going to play each other in the World Series. My wish among the 16 teams or, you know, who are going to be in the, the, the crazy wild card week this week. I would love for the Padres and Cleveland to play each other because I have a lot of like, you know, my heart belongs to both of those to various degrees. And I think that would be fun. What do you think? So for the American League, can I go anybody but the Yankees? <laughs> like that's no, that's not OK. That's not a prediction. Oh, that's not going to be your wish. Yeah, that's absolutely my wish. That is absolutely my wish. And my wish for the National League is got to be the Padres. 
And I have, I think I told you this before, I have a really hard time splitting wish with prediction when I feel like my wish is possible. So I feel like the, the Padres have a really good shot. So I'm going to keep them as my prediction just to keep like all my mojo out there. For the American League, oh man, um, that is tough. You know, I... I don't think I've been paying enough attention. The The Rays have been, I know, dominating the AL East because that's where I usually pay most of attention. So I guess I could go with the Rays as a prediction, but I don't know. I don't feel great about it. All right. We're going to ask again next week and see if things change. Okay. All right. I'm going to pour more beer while you talk politics, sort of. Sort of. Hey, Fenway Park. There are so many wonderful things about Fenway Park. And I am happy to say that they have been just approved as an early voting site for people in the city of Boston. They're very clear that it's only okay for Boston voters because I can imagine anybody from Massachusetts, (laughs) hell, I would fucking go to Fenway Park to vote if I could, but I can't. So it's October 17th and 18th. Anybody within the Boston limits, get your ass over to Fenway Park to vote because how fucking cool is that? They are joining both Dodger Stadium and Nats Park although I'm not a D.C. resident, so I can't vote there either, but it's closer by as early approved voting stations. I think there should be more ballparks. There are more. The there are more. Are there more? The article I said just had those. Comerica Park in Detroit and Camden Yards just up the road, hooray, have oh, also wow. both been approved. And beyond that, this I think is very cool. Major League Baseball has create has made election day an official day off for full-time staff and is encouraging their staff not just to vote, but also to volunteer as poll workers. So look at one. MLB doing something like, you know, on a on an administrative level that I actually approve of. Yay. That is a really good thing. I guess NBA is a little bit ahead. They have 21 facilities approved as voting-related activities. So I'm not sure if they're all voting centers or, I don't know, somehow related to voting, NBA being out there. Um, Last thing, though, before we leave uh, Fenway Park is Mr. Pottymouth came in during recording or right before recording to tell me that Ron Renicki, this year's manager, is not returning for next year. Not a big surprise given their performance this year. And I think that's the right thing to do. He was a one-year guy. Hopefully they will have somebody better next year. You know, the the fan base for Cora is still there really, really powerfully. So I don't know. You know, he could come back. He could. We'll see. Yeah, this this week was um, the beginning of all those conversations about what general managers and managers might be on the chopping block or ready for a transition. And um, those are for all the teams that did not make the playoffs, even though 16 teams did make the playoffs. That leaves a lot of people up for grabs right now and, uh, with a lot of, lot of rumors flying about whether or not they're going to come back or not. This week's COVID report is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to say, yay, again, second week in a row where I can say there were no positive tests for players on Major League rosters. There were two positive tests. They didn't say um, who or what they were, but they were not players on Major League squads right now. The thing I want to talk about is if you remember way back in the spring when they when MLB and the Players Union were developing their protocols for how the season was going to work, one thing that that baseball promised was that it would not be a drain on COVID testing resources to the, the country at large. And one way they were going to do this was they were going to offer free testing and processing of tests to essential workers in the cities that have major league teams. Well, Bradford William Davis, who is somebody you might want to follow if you haven't yet, that's a lot of great baseball writing, had a piece in the New York Daily News that said, um, they're not doing that. No, oh, no. Almost no one is doing that. And most teams wouldn't even talk to him. And teams would refer him to MLB and the MLB front office would refer him back to the teams. So here's what he found out. So the Red Sox have a confirmed plan now, like now, like just now, right? The Giants claim they have made an offer to the city of San Francisco to work with them, but there is no plan. The city of Milwaukee confirmed that they've been in touch with the Brewers at, that's it. And hmm. no, there were no other responses there from wow. 30 teams. And said that was it. Those were the only teams that had anything going on at all. MLB said, 
Well, it, it was always meant to be optional, which is not how it read at all. It was part of the plan. Right. And there was so much passing the buck back and forth between an individual team and MLB at large and back and forth. And MLB started saying, well, I think a lot of these teams will address this after the season ends. Like, oh, so this past several months, which were kind of crucial in this whole pandemic, that's okay. We were busy playing baseball then, but now, now we can do it. I mean, now is better than not now, Yeah, but it's not what we were promised. So I'm really disappointed that this didn't happen. And I, I thought, well, maybe it's just under like, you know, just like they're not making a big deal of it, but it's happening, right? You know, just low key, it's mm-hmm. happening. We don't need to be applauded for because we're playing baseball right now. Nope, nope, there was nothing to applaud. That's it's gross because I remember you explaining this to me in the beginning that you know that we shouldn't be upset about baseball on that level. Like, you know, maybe we should be concerned about their health, but they're not taking away from the common right. good and draining the resources. And this is just really shitty to sort of get public approval in the beginning and then you know, quietly not do anything. Right. Right. So I'm very glad that Bradford William Davis is calling them on this publicly. I'm really happy to hear that the Red Sox are on the right side of that because number one, you know, I always love good news about the Red Sox. And number two, Eduardo Rodriguez, who was the Red Sox player who's been out all season, who, I mean, huge reason why the Red Sox didn't do well this year. And just this week, it was um, reported that, they're looking forward to him being back next year because he just started walking. And wait, wait, and the, wait, 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 walking. He just started the, walking. The dissonance from that. It, it, I just don't even understand because I I understand like the positive spin on shit, but it little uh, Alex Spear, who's a Red Sox reporter and tweeter said that he's been unable to do any real physical activity save for walking around the house. So like little walking around the house since he was shut down in July with this myocarditis, this heart um, condition that's a direct effect of COVID. You know, this is this is definitely COVID. And so now he's starting to walk like walk, walk. And they expect him to do a full off-season conditioning program. So, I, you know, for comparable, though, you know, think of he was if he was normal and coming off of a season of pitching, resting up a little bit and going to an offseason workout compared to at the end of the season, starting walking, resting a bit and going into off. It doesn't sound like apples. To apples. No, no, it does not. And these are the things that we didn't know going into this season. Like this wasn't a thing yet that we were aware of. So how many of these guys that were out with COVID and came back and played may have this longer term, these these conditions that are going to come up. It's scary. Yeah. I know they might have muscled through them now, but yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And and my last COVID thing is, is cross training with soccer that um, they'd been doing really well. MLS had been doing well. Lots of no no positives until yesterday, a player and three staff from the Colorado Rapids were positive. And so they canceled the game today with Kansas City. And we'll see where that goes. I mean, everybody else is asymptomatic and testing negative besides those four people. And they're in the bubble, right? Yeah. So go figure. I don't I don't get that. Mm. So, you know, bubbles are are still a little bit porous around the edges. You can't. You can't just assume we're fine. I have a couple of quick odds and ends to kind of close out things that happened this week. So do you remember last week when we talked about air quality postponing games? And we said, yes. oh, my God, can you believe all the things that postponed games this year? Yeah. Air quality, gunshots, COVID, and, of course, rain delays. We have one more. There was one more that snuck in before the season finished. There was a power outage for 25 minutes at Dodger Stadium that wow. ground the Dodgers-Angels game to a halt. It, last week, I is expressly said, we don't need to fill up this bingo card. Like, I was like, this is you getting did. close. There's still more squares to go. This is not cool. I'm hoping that this is the end. And, uh, yeah. Well, we'll know in a couple hours. <laughs> right. Um, I want to just give a shout out to um, 
one of mine and my kids' favorite uh, baby uh, world champion Washington national players, Andrew Stevenson, who we lovingly refer to as Aww. the CW. Because if you look at this kid, he looks like he should be in any YA TV series on the CW network. Absolutely. So he's been playing the past couple of weeks regularly, which is unusual for him. And he's had a hot bat, which has been great. And then yesterday, while the World Championship Washington Nationals were playing the Mets and well sealing, done. thank you, and sealing their deal that they're not making the uh, the playoffs this year either, Andrew <laughs> Stevenson hit a home run off of freaking Jacob Degrom, and then a few innings later, hit an in the park home run. Also wow. off of Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. Now, this one was a little bit scary because um, Dominic Smith was playing left field, was going for the ball and smacked into the wall super hard and went down for the count, which is why that ball wasn't fielded and he was able to make it all the way around. Uh, Still counted. And I'm OK with it now because he got up and played the game and actually hit successfully later. So he's okay. fine. But for That's a minute, sweet. he wasn't moving and scared the crap out of me. I'm like, yay. Oh, crap. But yeah. Andrew Stevenson finishing strong, and I'm hoping he will be back um, to the team, which we can still call the World Championship Washington Nationals. Uh, you're um, doing well. I think thank you. Five. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. And um, just very quickly, Tom Brenneman, the voice of the Reds, who had the on-the-air hot mic slur back in August and was suspended for it, the homophobic slur officially has resigned as the voice of the Reds. And the, the hey. Reds officially commended his heartfelt efforts at reconciliation with the LGBTQ community. I don't know what that means. I was about to ask, what are those efforts that can be commended? So I'm mixed. If they are happening, uh -huh. I don't need to know about it because it's not about me. I'm also suspicious if I don't know what it is. So I don't know what to do with that. I hope it's true. I hope he is doing what he's apologized six way from six ways from Sundays. But as we said, it flowed off of his tongue so naturally. It wasn't the first time he said it. We all know that. So I believe he's learning from this. I hope he continues to learn from this. And I hope these heartfelt efforts are for freaking real. Totally agreed here. He's got a ways to go. We're going to keep talking about guys, but now we're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends who are our special guys that we pick in the offseason because we click with them because there's something cool about them that we identify with. We each get one guy per team. We usually do fantasy ball, which we didn't this year. And I think it kind of interfered with me being able to follow my follow and get to know my new boyfriends as well as I should have. That plus my sort of like and eh, lukewarm attitude toward the season led to me, I think, neglecting some of my newer boyfriends. One of my my now and forever boyfriend, I think, from the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto, because I kept him over a year, which we're allowed to do with one guy, has been raking despite the fact that his team is not going into the playoffs. Wait, and who's the team? The world champion Washington Nationals. That's right. Who are unfortunately suffering from a severe hangover. I've been there. I can relate. So I'm, I'm okay. You recover from your hangovers. But he is vying for the batting title against your last year's boyfriend from the Atlanta team, right? Freddie Freeman. Two years. Two years ago. Two years. My how time flies. My, my original Atlanta team boyfriend. And yet another example of boyfriends blossoming after your initial uh, original pick, because man, is he having a banner year, like you said, after okay that first time too. <laughs> All right. So Freddie Freeman just rocks. We, we can say that it just rocks. We agree with our friend Marla from last week. So we'll see really what happens today. Um, the spoilers, interestingly, being the Mets for the Nationals, who have essentially spoiled each other at this point. So who knows, you know, how much of a chance... Soto's going to have to be raking this afternoon. And Freddie Freeman facing the Red Sox, not rough pitching there. So I think the <laughs> advantage goes to Freeman, but who knows? We'll see. While what we're talking bat batting titles, so my last year's boyfriend for the Yankees, because he was not a Yankee for very long at that time, DJ LeMahieu, is right now in the lead for the batting title overall. And mm -hmm. absolutely for the American League. And he, if he should hold on to that, sec, number two is Juan Soto. So they're close. So Juan could take the whole thing. He LeMahieu would be the very first player to win the batting title in the American League and the National League both. And one, one quote was, 
that usually doesn't happen because usually if you bat that well, they keep you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty Ouch. good. But, you know, if LeMahieu wins. A fun fact is in a lot of these these statistical categories, Juan Soto and Trey Turner, your previous world champion, yes. Washington Nationals boyfriend, are like in the top five yeah. for a lot of these categories. And this is nuts given that the Na- the World Series, World Series winning Washington Nationals are in last freaking place How did in their that division. Happen? I don't get it. That's a pandemic, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's rough. And I also don't like this surge in Yankees names at the last minute. Yeah. So, you know, LeMay, who kind of crept up on me. Voight, who's up there with the home runs, crept yeah. up. I'm yeah, no, thank you. not feeling good about that. Well here's, well, here's an American League home run hitter you can get behind. Okay, so my right. last year's boyfriend for the Cleveland team, Jose Ramirez, or J-Ram, as we cool cats call him. Oh, I didn't know that. Hitting. Oh, yeah. He okay. cannot stop hitting. Um. Unfortunately, it took him a while to start hitting at this at this level. So I think it's too late for MVP conversations. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he seems to be like everybody's number two choice for MVP in the American League. But for instance, in the four-game sweep of the Chicago White Sox this past week, boy, was that fun, especially considering wow. how important seeding is in the playoffs. He had a walk-off homer in extra innings in one of the games and a, a two-run double in the seventh inning of one of the games that turned out to be like the you know the winning the winning score of of that game. He can't be stopped, and I wish it would have been sooner. And I also kind of wish it had been last year when he was my boyfriend. I would have gotten points for all of this. You know, going back to the wishes, I'm wishing for the White Sox uh, beyond the anybody but the Yankees. I'm wishing for the White Sox because that's a good thing, and that's where the the number one um, MVP name comes from. The in discussion right now is Jose Abreu, right? So the question Absolutely. is between the two of them, who can do it for the American League? So you've got you've got a boyfriend in in that race, and for the National League. We've got a lot of past boyfriends who are in the discussion, like seriously in the discussion. Soto's in the discussion. He's at the end of the discussion, but he's in there. But Freeman is just, I mean, and it's really amazing him coming off of COVID and doing this. So I remember at the beginning of the season, me strongly feeling that Freddie Freeman should be sitting this season out and look at what he's done and look at what Tatis Jr. has done. So that's where, you know, that would be amazing, even though I definitely picked him before his time. And Mookie Betts, who was almost my forever boyfriend, but then I realized I just couldn't keep him as as a Dodger. It just didn't didn't sit right for me. That that is true. Now, I think Tatis Jr. was kind of holding fast to the number one, you know, the pole position there Mm -hmm. until he had a little bit of a slump, which I think he's coming out of to finish strong. But I think there was a little slump. Soto missed the first couple of weeks of the season because he had what a lot of people think is possibly a false positive COVID test. And so um, that's why he didn't show up in the stats for a long time because you have to have a certain number of at-bats before you're considered eligible to show up in the statistics. So as soon as he was eligible, he was the top Mm -hmm. of a lot of them. But so he had a slightly shorter season, um, Tatis had a slump, but yeah, Freddie, man. Actually, S- Salvador Perez from the Royals has been amazing since he's been back, but he missed a bunch. So yeah. where, so where does that stuff factor in? Like, how are they going to do that math? How are they going to do that math, Patty? <laughs> um, they're going to ignore those people, I think, okay. and go, go with <laughs> Freeman and Abreu for sure. And I think um, Freeman's story is also good, and that may factor in to these votes. They don't do it just numerically. It's, you know, you look at statistics and then you use your gut. And I think um, Freeman Freeman's gut is there. And I think Abreu is a really good pick, much as I love J-Ram, because the White Sox did so much better than anyone expected this year and continue yeah, to do better. Absolutely. And he's really sort of the galvanizing factor. And if you're talking about most valuable, that ability to um, to wake up your team like that, I think is really important. I think that's a factor that should be included. Yeah. As long as it doesn't end up being like a we killed COVID poster boy kind of thing. Like, look what you can do if you just like buckle down because that's, you know, it's all individual cases. Yes. Individual cases. One of my boyfriends who's super exciting and and the Cubs clinched for the first time in a couple of years, few years. Wilson Contreras, the catcher, had an epic backflip, like a, a a majorette backflip. It was a baton twirl. It went so high. It was even as high as the baseball. There were and jokes that StatCast should have had numbers on that. On, on the, the height of the flip? 
on the flip. Yes. That's actually, they should start keeping that because it was pretty majestic. But, you know, what the fuck? It's somebody throwing a bat in the air. It's really, I think, something that we need to learn to accept because it is an expression of joy. They were, at the time, they were just up one to nothing. He broke it open with a three-run home run in the third, and he flipped his bat. And he said that he knew that there would be retribution at that point which is the shitty part. Like, what? why? Just why? So in the seventh inning, he gets plunked. He said it was no surprise. Jimmy Cordero of the White Sox, note, of the White Sox. Oh, yeah. Plunked him. Immediate, well, the, the umpires had to confer, and he was ejected. And Rick Renteria, the, the manager of the White Sox, uh, complained and said that it was not on purpose. The ball got away from him. Renteria also got ejected. The pitching coach got ejected. And ultimately, Cordero got a three-game suspension and Renteria got a one-game suspension. So the question is, as always, was it an intentional hit-by-pitch? It grazed his back. It looks very suspicious. Contreras felt like it was. Um, David Ross felt like it was. He actually said that he was never a bat flipper himself. It wasn't his style. But he was fine with what Contreras did and, and said that um, he loved every second of it and he didn't deserve to get hit. So he apparently felt that. And so then the irony comes with it being the White Sox, who have Tim Anderson, who is renowned for his in-your-face bat flips. So the, the if it's okay for me, not okay for you situation, if that's what's playing out, then then what? Like what? That's why we got to hope it it just got away from him. Yeah. But when you get it in the back, that sure leaves a lot of suspicion in the air. But yeah, absolutely. They would be huge, huge hypocrites if if it was on purpose. Like, oh, come on. Right. Yeah. So I guess I'll just I should just take take a step back and just hope for the best and and assume the best intentions. And maybe it, you know, they're serving whatever they're serving. And Contreras luckily says that he has zero regrets. He also said that he didn't actually mean to throw it that high, but you know, that's just, that's, then it's an honest expression of the joy of the moment. If it was, I think it got high. away from both of them. Let's go with that. Wouldn't Let, that be like <laughs> in my, my rose colored glasses, my little make-believe world, nobody meant anything. And they're both just like really exuberant. That's, that's it. That's lovely. And, and <laughs> as far as the respect thing goes too, at the end of the game, I mean, this ended up being a Cubs blowout. It wasn't at the time, but it was a 10 to nothing blowout. So the White Sox put a position player pitching Yomer Sanchez and Contreras hit a home run off of him without any flip or anything. And I think that's a little bit of you're a position player. I like don't showboat on that. Like I, I that's a, right. a respectful, good thing to do. Hit your home run, run the bases. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. There was um at a, a, a game that I watched recently, it, um, a world champion Washington nationals game. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who the team was that we were playing, who the, a, a guy singled and, his way of dropping the bat was kind of with a flourish and could sort of be construed as a bat flip. And the commentators were having none of it. They're like, okay, we are learning to embrace this for home runs, but that was a freaking single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything in its proper place. Uh, another guy of home team that's, that's hitting home runs, the ex world champion uh, Red Sox. <laughs> I ended up watching the key inning last night where they had an eight-run inning, and it was led off by Bobby Dalbeck, who's one of those kids who got brought up. And he was my pick for the Red Sox this year because we were trying to pick new, fresh Red Sox. And he's been busting it open. Talked about him, I think, a couple of weeks ago when he was on that tear of five games with a home run, six out of his first 10. He slowed down a little bit after that, but now he just hit his eighth home run in 22 games played, which is a weird number. To, to pull stats off, but of course there's a stat for that. And he's only the second red, the tied for a second place in 22 games, having eight home runs. And there's only George Scott from 1966 above him. Notably he's tied with Raphael Devers. So that's, uh, that's just a little bit of happy, but what Dalbeck's raking. So that makes me feel hopeful for the Red Sox for next year. And when he has contact with the ball it is a hit more than half the time as opposed to contacting into and out, which I think is pretty good. 
which of course I wasn't going to say anything, but that makes me ask how often does he not have contact with the ball and perhaps strikes out? Yeah, a lot. A lot. He, yeah. So this is the weird part. And this was another thing from Alex Spears. He has a 1.018 OPS. He's mm. on base a lot, but he's striking out 44%. Wow. So, so yeah. So he, but he's a, but he's, you know, he's pro- rookie. So sure. maybe he's going to work that little thing out for next year is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping, I mean, the Red Sox have obviously had a shit year, you know, hopefully with a change of management, renicky has gone. Things will get better. I have hope with Dalbeck. I have hope with Chavis. And I have hope with this pitcher who had his third start last night, Tanner, another Tanner. Tanner Houck. Houck. Tanner's only pitch. Are there any Tanners that are position players? Oh, we need to do some research. There are at least three pitching Tanners. I don't, and I don't know any like Tanners in person in my life. No, so I just assume that is just a name for a pitcher. He's he's hot. He's doing really well. He had three starts and he had three wins. And the first two were without scores. And he let up his first earned run. So he has three starts, three wins, one earned one run. So his uh, his uh, ERA is something like, oh, five something. I can't do the math that fast and I didn't write it down, but it's really good. And he looks like identical to Chris Sale at his best. Pitching Ninja did a really good side by side. And that's a good sign. I hope. I like it. Oh, hey, pause. I, I did the search feature on MLB.com and there are Tanners out the freaking wazoo. Really? It's just like a baseball name. Yeah, there's like eight or nine of them. I don't know. There's a bunch, but I, I'm not looking up to see if, if they're all pitchers. I would find that weird. But the only ones we know about are pitchers. We'll just go with that. Okay, we'll we'll report back to the class on that one. Our last little bit, international baseball this morning was the weirdest, wildest fucking game of the season. So once again, I'm going to hit my mantra. If you're not watching Breakfast Baseball, do it because wacky things can happen. I woke up at like 7.30 this morning and turned on the Lions game. I knew they were playing the Guardians and I knew that they needed a win to take the series. I was very happy to see them come from behind on Friday. It was amazing. And then yesterday they lost and I wake up today. It's the sixth inning. They are losing 17 to nothing. You are kidding me. Even CBBL, that's a lot. Yeah. So in in our little CBBL chat, uh, somebody told me, I think Infield Fly Girl said, just go back to bed. (laughs) You know, this is is ugly. (laughs) So I got up, got ready, got breakfast. It's 18 to nothing. I'm thinking, whatever, what the fuck? I'll just watch a few innings. Well, that is always the motto with CPBL because they had a crazy end of the game. The Guardians bullpen just fell apart. The final score was 20 to 15 and there was hope. (laughs) There was hope at the end. Yes. So 20 to 15. I mean, they could have. They so I I think that even though this means that the Guardians are now in first place, the Lions are one game back, the Monkeys and Brothers are tied at three and a half back. I think this really says a lot about the tenacity of the Lions. I have so much hope in them. If they cannot give up being down 18 to nothing and come back with 15 fucking runs, that is a team to be reckoned with. Wouldn't you say? I would say that is amazing. A lot came out of that game, though. The Guardians did tie the CPBL record with 27 hits. Everyone got a hit. You get a hit. You get a hit. You get a hit. (laughs) Everybody got a hit. Six players had more than three hits, and that also tied a CPBL record. Um, And just a final note, the Guardians took out Lin Yi Hao, who is one of their late inning relievers, who should be their closer, because really, he's the only stable dude in the bullpen. And I think it comes from his hair. He's got the flow. I think you need a flow pitcher in clutch situations. It's like a Samson thing, all the powers in the hair. Absolutely. You know, you Darvish, it's been working for him this year. It sure has. I I, want to go into more pitcher flow. In the KBO, I'm going to watch, I promise, on Tuesday, the Dinos. My Dinos are playing your Wyverns this Tuesday morning at 530. So this is unfortunately after, or it will have happened before you guys hear my voice. So maybe some of you have seen it too. Who the fuck knows? But something happened from that game. The Dinos are are solidifying (laughs) themselves in in first place, though. Um, So I need some Dinos gear. I really need some Dinos gear. I can't believe I randomly picked a team that has held on to first place 
almost all season at this point. I mean, they, they still have a couple weeks until their playoffs, but it's looking good because they are now five games in, in first place. The second place team, the Heroes, is are five games behind the Dinos. I really should. It's maybe it's because I haven't been paying attention. The Wyverns, even though they're going to be playing the Dinos, are 34 back. Eagles, 36 and a half. One last interesting thing from KBO that happened this week with our, our friend Jiho Yu uh, reported on that the Doosan Bears beat the Samsung Lions one to nothing with one hit. They had one hit, it was a home run. And it won the game. The other team had seven hits. The Lions had seven hits, but that's kind of fascinating. Apparently, it's the fourth time in KBO history that a one-hit game has been won. And that is my international baseball take for the week. I love it. I love it. So we're getting close to when we're going to sign off and run to our various other screens to watch the very last game of the season. And weirdly, I am absolutely sure I'm going to watch a completely meaningless game mm -hmm. between the Mets and the, the world champion Washington Nationals because it's my last chance this season, even though a lot of games matter still as far as getting into the playoffs or seeding in the playoffs. And you know what? What's going to happen is going to happen, but I got to see my boys one more time. Yeah, it's still a game with guys we like to watch. So I'm good with watching it. I'm going to be turning on also. Excellent. So um, I hope you watch a boatload of baseball this week. Good luck making your decision on Tuesday, whether you watch baseball or debates. Um, if you have a chance to leave us a review or a rating, we would appreciate that. We would love it if you would find us on social media. Check us out on Twitter at NCIB. NCIB podcast. Gosh, those letters are hard. Or Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B Ball. Or you can be a super supporter and find us on Patreon. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash No Crying and B Ball. And you can join the elite club of supporters of this podcast. We would certainly appreciate you. And you know, you get a call out on the show. Until next week, please wear your masks, stay socially distanced, wash your hands a whole bunch, and say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth.